Hey there. This week on the Haver Show podcast, we have a very special guest. His name is Chris Bosch, two-time NBA champion, 11-time All-Star, and someone who will likely be a Hall of Famer one day. We'll talk all about that on this hour with him. Outside of LeBron James, I cannot remember a guy whose public perception did a full reversal quite like Chris. Uh, he was a punching bag that first year in Miami, and now he's got about as much respect as anybody you'll find in the league. We'll talk about how KG, Kevin Garnett, of all people, inspired him to join the Heat, how Chris almost quit during the 2012 playoffs, and what it was like to cry in front of millions of people watching at home and how he bounced back from that episode and how that changed him. We'll also talk about why he's rooting against Steve Kerr and the Warriors with all his might. And we'll also discuss what he will be thinking about when his jersey is raised to the rafters by the Miami Heat and his number one jersey will not be worn again for that franchise and what it's going to be like to be next to Dan Marino and Michael Jordan. We taped this interview at his Miami Beach house in his, what he calls it, his man cave. We sat in front of a painting of him shredding an electric guitar a la Jimi Hendrix, which was pretty cool. Not much basketball stuff on the walls, and I think you'll understand why after listening to this episode. Since he stopped playing hoops, he has taken up the guitar, coding, gaming. He has a kegerator with a local craft brew on tap. So yeah, you can tell I get along with this guy. For me, no one humanized what it's like to be an NBA superstar quite like him. I think you'll feel it too after this podcast. So without further ado, on The Haber Show, this is Chris Bosch. So Chris, congratulations on your jersey retirement. Appreciate it. March 26th, jersey's going up to the rafters at American Airlines Arena. The important question here is, which jersey do you want to be next to? So is it Marino? <laughs> Dan Marino, Marino, which oddly enough has a jersey retired here yeah. in, uh, in Miami in the basketball arena, or Michael Jordan? Yeah, I don't so, think that's going to happen. He <laughs> put me up with the rest of the team, you know, guys that have done it before. I'm pretty sure that nice little part right there, Shaq, Tim, and... Uh, and Alonzo and yep. the Olympic banners, you know, that'd be pretty, pretty cool. It's yeah, good M- enough. MJ is, it's wild to see. MJ yeah, that's jersey. a whole other. Marino and MJ, you put them over there and, you know, the rest of the guys put them in their own space. Yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing to think uh, back. We were both moving to Miami at the same time, uh, 2010. Yeah. I remember it like it was yesterday. It feels like a lifetime ago, but also yesterday. Yeah. I want to rewind. Before we get to like all the Jersey retirement, I want to rewind to actually when did Miami happen for you? How did the idea of Miami come together? And then when did LeBron come into the picture where it was like, wait a minute, this is happening? Yeah. I, well, it was... My time in Toronto at the end of the year, um, just competitively, I felt that um, it was a time to make a move. Um, I wanted to get to the top of the NBA. I wanted to compete on the big stage. I wanted to be a part of that. And in Toronto, it just wasn't happening. We couldn't attract free agents. Our team was barely 500 and barely you know, fighting to make the seventh or eighth seed. So I just went ahead and made the decision to move on. And at the time, Miami made their move to have a lot of cap space. So that was kind of attractive. And we were just kind of looking at the landscape. And, and it was known that 
something could be put together. Mm-hmm. So we went ahead and uh, I knew. Because you share an agent with Yeah, I with, share an agent Dwayne. With, with Dwayne. And, and we knew that we could have a pretty good team regardless if I went there. So I made the decision, you know, it's Miami. It's not a hard decision to make. I, I never would have thought in my career that I'd be playing here. And, um, you know, this would be um, a home for me and my family. And um, as time went on, we were able to uh, make it like that. And now we're here. So how did LeBron fit in? When was like, well, how did you find out LeBron was it? Like, was it just like everybody else found out? Or was it, were you like, I mean, he was at the same agency yeah. at the time. Did you get Going a text? Did you get a... a no, nah, we were here in Miami. You know, we, we found out. Uh, we had to sit on the edge of our seats just like everybody else. So when you made the decision to go to Miami, it wasn't like it was a package deal with LeBron. I mean, you know, <laughs> it, it was not a package deal because there was not one package sent at one time. But, you know, when you're in the circle of knowing and not knowing, there's certain things that you know and hope that will happen. And, and you can try to change the fabric of, uh, of uh, reality just a little bit. A lot of people think that you guys were like super tight and they, I remember people started calling you guys super friends. Like where did that cut? Like how did that happen? Because I remember you, you and we, we uh, were together uh, during the Miami Heat years. You were like, I go out and Dwayne goes out and LeBron goes out. It's not like we're always hanging out together. So yeah. was the super friends idea because people weren't used to players deciding, hey, I want to play together? Yeah, I think so. It, it came in a different aspect. And I think as well, a lot of people... It kind of was interesting for to, to see us really hanging out. And kind of looking back on it, we did hang out a lot. Yeah. We did hang out a lot. But that was a part of the team chemistry and the team makeup. Um, that was the, the how committed we were to making that team as great as possible. And to do that, you have to spend a lot of time together. That's a lot of dinners, a lot of bus trips, a lot of locker room talks and stuff like that. So we really, really wanted to bring that off the court. So on the court, we could kind of, you know, function in the best way possible. You had told me once that you talked to two players, consulting them before you went to Miami. Yeah. One was KG, talking about his time in Minnesota and what it was like for him having most of his prime in one city and not being able to decide his future like yeah. he wanted. And you also talked to Bill Walton, yeah. who had his career cut short because of his foot injuries. And it was like, I didn't know that KG and you had a relationship like that. Yeah, I didn't know either. <laughs> We've always, I respect him as a competitor, and I think he does respect me as a competitor because I wanted to be the best. I wanted to be like him, bring that intensity on the court and just be one of those uh, ferocious type of defenders and players and to just be respected as such when I'm on the court. Um, at that time, I wasn't a threat. So we could talk. Yeah. <laughs> and it was it was in my last year in uh, in Toronto and it was the 2010 All-Star game, actually. And we were in Dallas. I was in my hometown and it was great being there. But I just felt that, you know, you're watching. I'm watching all my peers. And it was like the seventh or sixth or seventh All-Star game for me. So, I mean, I know there's another level. Every time I come here, I'm always you know, looking at two or three guys from mm-hmm. the top team in the East or the top two or three teams in the East. And 
around that time, it was always this buzz and excitement of like, are you guys going to win it or not? Or who's going to? That's when things start rationing up. And me, it's just like, I'm just here. You know, this is pretty much as good as it gets for me because I know it's all downhill from here. We're struggling to make the playoffs if we're even in contention. And, you know, I kind of got tired of that. Um, so what do you tell you? Well, I, um, I just wanted to know. I knew I had a big decision to make um, because, of course, Toronto was still in the mix. Um, and I just asked him just from his perspective what helped him make his decision or what he thought about making his decision to, you know, move on from the team. And one of the things that he said uh, without saying too much, you know, is that um, you want to play with people who can take pressure off of you. A little bit so that that way you can just not worry about other things. You can just go play basketball. Now, with that, there was an extra conversation about the, you know, dealing with expectation and and just continuing to compete regardless of the circumstance. Uh, But at that time, you know, that's what we weren't playing basketball. We weren't on the court at the time. So. We, we didn't have to. Yeah, we're just in the locker room, so we didn't have to curse each other out and have a spin <laughs> match like usual. You, you, you cursed him back. We got into it one time, and I said, "Okay, no, here you see, you got me, you tricked me." So you know? I, I listened to the, <laughs> the pod with Bill Simmons, how you uh, how he got in your head with the your mama's your mama's boy comment. Yeah, I think I traced down the actual game. It was against uh, it was against obviously uh, Boston. But yeah, the I next game s- was Bucks. You had one point against, it was 2007. You said it was like the worst game of your life. In that Texas. was the worst. No, that game. Yeah. yeah. It was that game that I had the worst game ever. I had like three points or I had like eight points. But see, I didn't, I didn't have a good training camp because I got hurt. Yeah. I pulled, my, I pulled my hamstring. So I didn't have that full training camp. And we played them. It was, the, it was I want to say it was November 1st. Yeah, 2007, third game of the year. And then, yeah, I'm pretty sure. And they uh, they beat us. Um, it was an overtime game, and Ray Allen hit a crazy shot to, you know, for them to pull it out. And, and I went back, and he had his way with me a little bit. That's that was the day I realized there was another level to I, basketball, you know. And that, and that's what really gave me the drive to say, all right, I've got to get better. I thought I was pretty good. But it was nothing I could do with that dude. So I need to get better. You were a pioneer of sorts, taking the autonomy of your career and saying, like, I want something more. Yeah. Do you feel that way with KD going to the Warriors, with Kyrie saying, I want, I want something different? Yeah. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins being like, hey, I'm going to join this team so I don't have the burden all the time and I can just play basketball. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's huge. Um, and a lot of people don't like it. That's the funniest part. Like, athlete with brains. <laughs> Oh, oh, hey, wait a minute. You know what I mean? I love it. I mean, guys can, you know, make their decision and whether you like it or not, it's their life, you know, and it's something that they want to pursue. Um, I think it's kind of like a catch-22 that the player has been put in, the modern athlete has been put in because there's been so much emphasis on championships, right? Yeah. And now guys are like, okay, I'm going to position myself to win a championship early. And then that's when people don't like it and stuff like that. But You know, you have to respect players understanding their value and understanding that they can run their own enterprise. So if you're, you know, if they're making decisions that people don't like, well, that's their personal business. So it's not on anybody outside of their scope um, to offer opinion. There wasn't really a template (laughs) for you. Yeah. You were just like, man, I'm. 
I'm just going to do it. Yeah. I'm going to go to Miami. Well, it started with the three. We all signed three-year deals with options Yep. Um, on the back end. And, you know, it ended up being, oh, hey, no, 2010 is packed. Bunch of free agents and, it's, you know, moves can be made. So now I think it's kind of transpired now to where – Free agency is a huge, huge, huge deal now. I mean, now three they're talking. Commitment is a lot now. Yeah, yeah, it's like, man, he's signing for three years. Man, we got a squad. You know, this is a long-term deal. But before there were, you know, less flexibility. The money, of course, was still uh, very good. But you know, once upon a time, you could sign a seven-year deal, and then it went to six years, then five. And now, you know, three seems to kind of be the number. You, you talk about the catch-22 of being a superstar and having the decision to go to play where you want. Also, the catch-22 I think about a lot with you is 2011 finals. You guys get to the finals, all the hate, all the vitriol. You get to the finals and you lose. And then cameras catch you yeah. crying in the hallway. And they're like, oh, what a, you know, what yeah. a wuss. Or like, what, you know, a yeah. real man wouldn't cry in that situation. I'm right. sitting here like... Wait, you want this to mean something, <laughs> but when it means too much, then it's a problem. You know, that's one of the things I had to learn is just to be myself. That's um, going through that process and really just kind of seeing the different levels and different flavors of people's reaction and their opinions and stuff like that. It just it gave me confidence to just say, all right, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. I'm just going to be myself. And that's great enough. You know what I mean? And I'm going to go out here and it's about what you do on the court. And it's not about pleasing everybody. Yeah, it hurt. You know what I mean? I put what, everything. What hurt so much? Like what? Putting everything and getting coming up short. You don't. You don't think about. If I told you, oh, hey, go to the NBA Finals, you're like, yeah, we winning it. The party's gonna be here. The parade is gonna be crazy, crazy, and all my family. You already dreamed up like. Yeah, and then you know, but then you're keeping. You know, you're doing the day-to-day task to get there, but the goal is the goal, you know, and there's no other reality. And then when that happens, it's like, it ain't lost at home. It's terrible. You know, it's terrible. It was a terrible, terrible feeling. And that's why I felt like that. Um, you know, I couldn't I couldn't help that. And then I didn't know the camera was there. I would have held it together a little better if I knew there was a camera up there. And I saw it, too. No. I did. I was like, oh, man. <laughs> I tell people that now I was walking. It's the thing where I'm just kind of like this, and I looked up <laughs> and saw the camera right there. I said, "Oh, this is the Truman Show." Yeah, you can't you can't rewind it. Kill me, you know. And, but I already knew it was going to happen. But it was just pretty much having to learn how to bounce back from that because uh, Dirk and Jason Kidd and Jason Terry. We, you know, we understood that hunger that they had playing against us. It's a different focus when you get there. I mean, Jason Kidd, that was his third time there. Yeah. You know, Jason Terry and Dirk, that's their second time there. So they they had a different intensity because they know they might not get there again. For us, we're like, oh, we're going to do this every year. Oh, we're, we're going to do this forever. We're about to win four championships in a row, and it just didn't happen, you know? So you fast forward a year after that, <clears throat> you, we sat down one time when you, you tore your ab muscle. And you were out yeah. in the playoffs. Yeah. It was my adductor. Abductor. Abductor. Yeah. It's growing. Yeah. And uh, you were watching from the couch. The were you there? Yeah. Okay. I wasn't on the couch. Yeah. I was, we, we had talked in the, in the weight room in okay. Miami. And you were apart from the team for a lot of that run. Yeah, you were yeah. watching at home with, I think Jackson was just born. Yeah. And you were like watching your team <laughs> play in the playoffs from your couch. Yeah. 
And you said that that was just a harrowing thing to like watch. You feel disconnected. You feel isolated. Like a lot of these players in today, in today's NBA, that they're described as isolated from their teams or their their players. But you kind of you had a different viewpoint. As you didn't win a title yet, and you nah. watch from the couch nah. your team try to win a title. Yeah, the difficult part about that was was we knew that Indiana was going to be a tough series. <clears throat> I knew that I could have had a very big imprint on that series. I was very confident in my matchup um, going into the series, so I felt like that was my series to really, uh, yeah. you know what I mean. So um, it was, it was, uh, it, it was very exciting for me. Then game one, boom, you know, we just had our kid, and and then on Mother's Day, <laughs> tore my muscle. And then the hardest part about it was that. They told me best case scenario is three weeks, right? Yep. You're going to yep. have to play with pain X, y, pain, X, Y, and Z. So I had to get over that. But at the time, that like that first week, we, we lost game two, yep. right? It was bad. Yep. So that's bad. And then we're going, and then we lose game three in Indiana. And I'm just watching. I'm supposed to get ready to play in two and a half weeks. I can't walk, and we're you know down 2-1 on the road. Um, I think so, game three was like the worst game that – yeah, it was D-Way, oh, D-way played. Oh, D-Way was awful <laughs> that game. I mean, he and you're just like, had it's a, a rap, stinker. Like, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's naturally where you go. I mean, just like, and then my mistake was listening to the TV. I was listening, and it just got in here, and I pretty much gave up. I tell everybody that story. I pretty much gave up, and my wife had to be like, no, 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 no. Come on. You said there were NBA classic DVDs where you would play, uh, and every championship run had a adversity yeah and you were like this is it yeah this is this is the time where it feels like it's not going to happen and my wife you, told me that yeah you said and you're like good, right, good, good. and i'm like oh, i did say that <laughs> oh, i guess i'm gonna have to pull myself together Spolster always <laughs> talked about how turning like an, an adversity into an opportunity and that point it kind of the wheels shifted where it was like wait chris bosh at the five like maybe we should go small and then against the thunder it was that was when everything turned. It was yeah. when they forced Kendrick Perkins to, and Serge Ibaka to play at the four yep. five. They didn't budge. And you guys went to the five, <laughs> and that was a, that was it. Like yeah. that kind of the NBA, the whole course of the NBA shifted. I think at that point, did you feel like, hey, me playing the center position that can work? No. <laughs> You're like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that, man. I'm over here, you know, wrestling with Big Perk and Serge Ibaka down here. I mean, it was good. I could see um, the benefits, but just over the course of a season at that time, it was still a lot. Now we did play small and fast, but we hadn't yet, our spread, spreading the court was different. So we spread for space and cut and attack. You know, I could have, I looked at, I look at film now, I should have been shooting threes then. You know, I watched the series with San Antonio and I would have been open a lot more. If I would have, you know, taken that, you know, ten. Is that on you, back. or is that on the? I mean, it's kind of both, but it wasn't. It wasn't even in the thought process at that time. It was a little bit, and that was a high pressure series. So, changing the course then wasn't the time. Um, but I could have been a little bit more aggressive. I think that would have loosened up our, our offense a lot more, and we probably would have been more efficient if I would have, you know, been shooting threes at least from the corner earlier on. And especially in that series, I'm looking, man, as spread as we were, they still clogged the paint a lot on us. And I, I would have been open a line. That would have took um, 
you know, dunking out of the paint a little more than he was, you know. But that's neither here or there. That's just me. You're already going back, man. That's me dissecting film all the time. You know, I still love basketball. Do you, do you think about the fact that you might be up for Hall of Fame with Tim Duncan and Kobe and KG? Yeah, we've talked about that stuff. We've, you know, I will be. We were all eligible at the same time, right? Yeah. So, yeah, we will be. We'll, be. we'll all be there. It'll be, great. It'll be a good time. I kind of take it as like, yeah, maybe that's perfect because I've always been a part of a good team. Now we're going to have the best Hall of Fame class Like the ever. best ever. Ever. Like, like, Not even. Can you get better than that? Like, yeah, and then try to compete with Kobe and something just to hype him up. <laughs> <laughs> like, you you got to look at that and be like, man, Tim Duncan and KG for you. Like those are the those are icons for you yeah, as a big man. Those and, were the two guys. To be inducted with them, what would that mean to you? You know, I haven't even thought about all that yeah. stuff. It's kind of like um, a separate. I, I've always been a type of person to not even think about things. I just, oh yeah, that's pretty cool, and just keep it moving. Usually, everybody gets more excited than me, and I'm working on that. I'm trying to live more in the moment, but there, to me, there's always something else to do. So it's like, wow, you're getting inducted with Tim. Huh? Cool. Yeah. I keep it moving. <laughs> I, I've run the numbers. Like, Hall of Fame is as close of a lock as it can be. Like, yeah. did you feel like, did you, when did you realize, like, this is a Hall of Fame career? About halfway through. You're like, this is. About halfway through. I, I, I was um, joking. I was telling somebody yesterday, I was still in Toronto when I said, yeah, I'm being Hall of Fame. Some people were looking at me like I was crazy, like, what? Yeah, I'm gonna know I'm gonna be in the Hall of Fame. I got, you know, look at my numbers and I know where I'm going, you know, but this is a really good start. And, um, you know, I, I got told no a couple times and you're crazy, but I knew my intent. My intentions were always ambitious yeah. uh, coming into this league. And now, you know, the dreams are just really coming true. So I've seen it in my brain a million times. I just haven't actually done it. So when I finally get there, okay. Cool, it's, it's real now. <laughs> so uh, your back-to-back -back championships in Miami, LeBron 2014, he leaves. Uh, things change for not just you, for the, for the whole Miami Heat organization. Uh, that three-peat was tough yeah. that year. I remember Dwayne would come in, he's playing. No, he's not. He's playing like the, the whole load management thing. Yeah. It wasn't really uh, a common knowledge, uh, the idea that players would be out to rest or to like, you know, recover. Yeah. Uh, what was that like that third year, the third, the three-peat uh, attempt season Yeah. every day trying to grind? It was a grind, man. It was a grind. I mean, and just like with Dwayne, I mean, he was behind the eight ball because a lot of people don't know his knee was very injured. Like he played through a lot of pain in that back-to-back -back year. And when you do that, that kind of sets you back for the next year because you don't get any time to rest. But then again, you got to stay in shape some kind of way. So it's kind of this weird balance to where you're trying to get healthy and stay in shape at the same yeah. time, and that's incredibly difficult. And at the same time, we're dealing with the fog of just trying to muster up the energy to, you you're know. You're seeing it now. Yeah, I mean, the, the Warriors are, yeah, everybody, what's wrong with the Warriors? They're struggling. Like, yeah, man, four and five years is crazy. Three-peat is crazy. Five finals in a year, yeah, they're tired. And then even the fans, I know the fans, I saw a quote from Clay saying, hey, the fans need to bring it. Everybody's just waiting on everybody to bring it. You know what I mean? And that's one of the hardest things because the thing I found out was that even when the playoffs came, it was still like, yeah. then the finals came. Eh, and then we're getting our ass kicked. 
And it's just, you just can't wake up out of it. But we didn't, that's, that year was just a rough year. We never, it never gelled. And we were just spending that whole year just trying to find it. And it never really, you know, materialized. Yeah, because I think Richard, Shane, and Ray, that was their last year. Yeah, like, yeah, it was their last everyone year. Everyone was kind of pushing all their marbles forward. Yeah. Like, let's go. Ray, and- I mean, Ray, I think Ray's knee had, had knee soreness. Rashad, it was like when we finally get there, we were banged up too. So it was just like, man. What would you tell the Warriors now? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Let them be. <laughs> Nothing. Good luck. And good that's luck. all I can say, really. I mean, it's hard. And, and I remember Steve Kerr, he told us, oh, you can't do it. So I'm going to tell Steve, you can't do it. That's all I'm going to say. Did Steve say that? Yeah, he's, he, he was a commentator there. Oh, that that's year. right, with, with Turner. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he was the head coach of the Warriors the next year. And um, he said, yeah, they, you know, three-peat, they can't do it. It's the toll. It's how tough it is and X, Y, and Z. And, you know, I said, man, who's this guy talking about? Then eventually um, you kind of see how hard it is. He kind of was from right. Experience. He kind of was right. I mean, he understands. He's been a part of uh, one of those teams. But um, I don't know what he's saying now. Do you- uh, probably a different tune, or at probably least a different tune. We is, can do it. Yeah. No, no. I, I just, you know, just just for karma's sake, I'm gonna just say, no, you can't. They can't do it. I love that. So Adam Silver said at the MIT Sloan Conference, which you've been at before, mm-hmm. uh, with Bill Simmons, he said, "I hear from the players, they're very, un- they're unhappy, uh, and there's an age of anxiety in today's NBA and just in this generation of yeah. society in general." But you don't think that they reach out to you? I know that you know, nobody reaches out to me. It's cool. I mean, it's, I'm not um, putting any pressure on anybody. But me coming up as a player, one of the most important things was to seek knowledge. Even if people turned you away, which I got turned away, believe it or not. I won't even tell you who. But you have to go out and, and seek the knowledge. You have to. I mean, you got to knock on doors and say, hey, I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to be great. What do I do? How do I do this? How do I do that? And, um, you know, it, it's just nobody, you know, really reaches out to seek. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, that's one of the most important things. You got you to gotta be ambitious and proactive. And I do get it. We do kind of live in an age of anxiety. But that's because everybody cares about what everybody thinks. I do not care, you know. As long as it's positive, I'm not going to be a jerk or anything like that. But if you don't have anything good to say, I'm really not going to listen to it. It so, took a while to get there. Though. It took a while to get there. And, and watch I do, the first take or whatever. Yeah, it you know, time. and it's exciting at first. Then after a while, I was like, ah, oh, kind of like what the Lakers are experiencing this year. I'm sure last year they were lovable because nobody really expected things from them. Then you get the expectation and it changes. So these same talk shows, you're getting killed all of a sudden. Now you're getting hate tweets and all that stuff. You know, people on Instagram are leaving nasty comments and stuff like that. But you can't worry about that. You know what I mean? It's just hard not to. Yeah, yeah, it's hard not to. But what's your alternative? Mm -hmm. You know, and the fact that the commissioner was even talking about happiness is crazy. You know, that is. I don't think would be. No, he wouldn't. He'd be like, (laughs) get over it. Yeah. Yeah, but Adam, just the fact that he's even that he felt compelled to say something about that, which is true. I mean, you see guys. You know, competing for championships and they're not happy, which it's not a happy time, to be honest with you. But, you know, a, a huge part of it is knowing and, you know, first sucking it up and then knowing that 
A championship is not going to complete me as a person, as an athlete, or as a public figure, you know? <laughs> KD, Kevin Durant said, like, last week to NBC Sports' uh, Kareth Burke that mm -hmm. basketball will not fulfill me. It'll never fulfill me. Mm -hmm. That seems, for fans looking at that, being like, wait, winning championships won't fulfill you as a person? Yeah. That seems like, then why are you doing this if basketball will never fulfill you? It seems like that actually, the, the sentiment... Seems mm. like something you might feel would say similar is like I have a life for sure. outside of basketball, but like you know, that that was a, that was not a stunning comment, but I wanted to hear your thoughts about him saying, "Yeah, basketball is never gonna fulfill me yeah. as a person." I mean, it's just more. I mean, if you're fulfilled, you pretty much just give up on life and die after that, right? If you're fulfilled, you know. If um, and and that's a great statement that he made, you know. And it's I think it's telling people as well, and this is just my interpretation, but just like yo, chill. Because everybody puts the onus on that championship. Just like we're saying, that championship, don't you want to be fulfilled? It's not going to fulfill you. And that's one of the secrets about it. You know, people might on the outside looking in might say, oh, hey, if you win a championship, then it's all good. It's not. You still have a long life to live. I don't even think he's 30 yet, or if he is 30. Yeah. I mean, all right, cool. I got these championships. Everybody, come on, fulfilled before 35 years old? That just is not even realistic, you know? So that just shows that he's thinking more, thinking about other things. And, I mean, he's pretty good at basketball, and that seems to be going pretty well. Yep. I'll take two back-to-back -back and two finals MVPs. You know what I mean? Yep. So, he, you know, he, he knows that it just continues to go. And, you know, you win championship, it's just a bigger X on your back. You but know? it also speaks to the thing that you said that you're – a basketball player with brains, right? Yeah. There's more to it than just basketball. Yeah. You, you said that you have an open door policy with players. Have mm -hmm. you reached out or has he reached out to you, Brandon Ingram, after his diagnosis of the, the PVT last week? No. no. How is that different than what you, what you experienced? Well, it said it's in his arm or something, right? Yeah, so it's in his arm. People think blood clots. They think you and like, yeah. oh, his career's over. But like, this is a First nuanced time. thing. First offense. <laughs> First offense, you're good. Number two happens. You know, and that's, um, I think I was getting asked that question uh, yesterday. What do you think will happen? Well, it's like, well, nothing to think about. Just don't let it happen again if you can, you know, keep that from happening because that's a place you do not want to be. I've been there. Um, and, and with such a young, promising career ahead of himself, hopefully they take the necessary measures. But it's always dangerous when it's in the upper extremities. When Once it passes uh, your midsection and gets up here, now we're in danger zone. You know, so he's just going to have to uh, change his lifestyle a little bit and figure it out. The travel. I mean, I, I looked yeah. at his schedule. Nine out of his 13 games, Brandon's, mm -hmm. were on the road before All-Star break and then travel during the All-Star break. Like, yeah. For someone who's almost seven feet tall, <laughs> like – Travel and the height factors. Yeah. I'm sure you didn't really think about it in this way, but is that is that a factor? You think? Yeah, it's a factor. I mean, um, people are known uh, for getting class just traveling for work, and um, not only are we putting our bodies through a lot before we even leave the arena, we're getting in a bus. You've been in a bus, right? They're not made for seven feet people. Yeah. We're cramping there. You know, sometimes it's five minute drive. Sometimes it's an hour. I remember one line, one time in my last year, we got like stuck in, in Washington. It was a snowstorm. Yep. And a yep. car got stuck on the bridge. We're just sitting there waiting. It took two hours to get to the plane. 
one year of the plane, bro, it was just a bunch of stories, you know. That but was after the game? Yeah, it was after the game. So you're at, you just balled for two hours, three yeah. hours, and you're sitting like this in a Sitting a on and just looking, hoping that we don't hit the car, you know, because we eventually just had to edge by on a slippery bridge just so we could get out of there. But, you know, it's like those, those stories like that. And I mean, and then you get on a plane and there's no regimen. There's nothing to say, hey, let's do this sort of prevention. There's not even a lot, a lot of knowledge about it. So it's precautions that you could take that I think teams should definitely uh, consider. And what's um, the number one thing that you learned through that process? Compression socks below the knee help. Below the knee. I was wearing tights for a while, but then they said, no, 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 no. That constricts blood flow in the back of your leg. Wear below the knee. That induces circulation. You won't get any stagnant blood, yeah. hopefully. You know what I mean? So it's like little things like that that you can do to, you know, prolong, well, not prolong your career, but keep you from getting any, you know, mm -hmm. blood clots. Yeah. Well, <laughs> to rewind back to 2014, I think uh, you had mentioned, not then, but Nat recently you said with these contracts expiring or trade demands, just let it, let it ride, like play through your contract mm -hmm. uh, and you just got to play through it. And I'm wondering your your experience with Miami where LeBron, he switches agents in 2012. That wasn't even in your thought process at that point in 2012 mm -hmm. when he moved to, with Rich Paul. Mm -hmm. You weren't like, huh? Wait a minute. No, nah, Rich Paul is his man. So. Yeah, so that wasn't I was even. Like, a, I thought he had been your agent. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so it, it never was a, a, a worry for you at that time no. when the news hit at 2012 that he was switching agents. And then. 2014, he played through his contract and then left. I feel like it's a catch-22 with players. Like, yeah. people got mad at LeBron for leaving <clears throat> on like a drop of a hat, and KD for leaving OKC mm. at the drop of a hat and not giving a heads up. But if you give a heads up, it doesn't feel like you're invested in the team, right? Well, so which, yeah, we were going for the three-peat. You know, we were. It was too many other things that we were trying to do, so we didn't have time to really talk about that. You know what I mean? We had to concentrate on the goal task at hand. And to be quite frank with you, I didn't think he was, you know, gonna gonna go to another team because I still felt, regardless of losing uh, in the finals, I still felt we had the best chances the next upcoming year. So it was just about getting back together. I think what Pat called it, retooling or whatever. And hey, you know, free agency is a part of the game. It's more uh, uh, more is bigger now. Um, but at the time, it's like, okay, hey, he's gonna come back and. You know, we'll we'll work these things out and we'll do X, Y, and Z. And it just didn't happen like that. He can exercise what he wants to exercise and he'll deal with his own consequences. You know, that's just the nature of everything. But at the same time, it's, you know, you still have to deal with it. Is there a right way or wrong way to go about leaving? No. You, you, like Toronto, I feel like there's no win situation for Toronto. It's like, yeah. I don't know how, it's so hard yeah. to say. Like, there's I mean, no way to say goodbye. Yeah, they write love songs about that, man. Come <laughs> on. Like, it's not going to change. It's been like that since the beginning of time. It's no right or wrong way to build a team. It's no right or wrong way to move on. So what is it like for you to watch today's NBA? Because you're you're watching this from the lens of, hey, this this is kind of like my NBA. This is like stretch five, like shooting threes. Yeah. This is my skill set. For sure. It's almost like you're, you like broke up with a, an ex and you're watching and they're, they go with a dude who looks exactly like, you're like, wait yeah. a minute. And it's lesser defense. Wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, that was one of the things I used to really have trouble with last year watching the game. And, and I had to bounce back from that. I was in a really dark place. 
um, trying to rebound from that, you know, to be honest with you. Uh, but I'm happy for the guys. I'm happy to look back and even if people don't know to say, hey, you know what, I had a little bit to do with, you know, changing the league and, and being open to um, – to, to really uh, that mind frame to stretch the floor. What specifically put you in that dark place? Was it like, if I was in this league, I'd be doing this? It's what? everything. It's that. It's just saying, man, I should still be playing. Look at the guys now. I'm supposed to be a free agent this summer. You know what I mean? So looking at the free agent class, and like coming up in 2019, and I'm like, man, I'm supposed to be a part of that. You know, with all due respect, looking at the all-star teams and saying, okay, I can compete with these guys. And just looking at the whole f- framework of the NBA and to see how my career had more legs uh, for more stuff. And, you know, you had to deal with that stuff. So a bunch of thoughts, you know, a bunch of dark stuff just comes in and yep. pops in there. And like, yo, where is this coming from, man? You know, but, but you, you did kind of lay down the path for a lot of these teams. Yeah. And the style of basketball, like the... Warriors, they're they're not just a big three. They're now a big four, big five. Yeah. Spoke used to ha- talk about those guys like, oh, like, oh man. It was before anybody was even on the Warriors, but they were starting to emerge like around the new year, that first year they won. And he's like, Man, Draymond Green at the five, they're so dynamic. And that was like right up Spo's alley. So we would have conversations about them. And so I saw kind of you know, how the landscape of the league and how things were going, and then they end up winning, and everybody copies pretty much that framework, and that's when it was really, really uh, out of the bag. Um, Do you think KD leaves to go to the Warriors without the big three in Miami happening? No, that put pressure on him. You know, that put pressure on him. Man, I think him getting to the finals and them uh, uh, having a 3-1 lead and, 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 um, you know, blowing that one, that kind of made him aware, like, ah, Man, this is hard. He knew it was hard, but this is really hard. Because that year, I mean, I think they were really, really good enough to to close them out and win it that year. But it just didn't happen. So, Philly, in the Eastern <clears throat> Conference, you're looking at that team and saying, big three, big four, big five. Yeah. What, what, how many, is it a big three for you? Big five? J.J. Redick and Tobias Harris? <laughs> J.J. Redick and Tobias. Look, I'm not going to, you know tag and put any names on it um but everybody wants to have that they should just you know not even i'm sure they're not worried about that but they've got the big fella they've got ben simmons who's getting better who's all-star they've got two all-stars uh you know uh jimmy butler's been an all-star for three all-stars and and you know tobias they still have to sign those guys you know, which probably might happen, but you never know. And you've been reading up on the CBA, so you know what it's going to take. Of course, to of course. And, you know, it's going to be long-term implications. So Philly is going to have to make a decision. All right, are we going to do this? Because that builds pressure, and now you've got to win, which that's what they want, right? But, I mean, you know, regardless of it's a big four, five, six, seven, you've got to go out there and play together and, uh, you know, be on the same page, and that's not an easy thing. Do you think it's good for the league that the stars are collecting like that? Yeah, I mean, this is the way it's got to be good for the league because that's the way it's going to happen, and, and it's always been like that. It's always been this discussion of big market, small market. Shaquille O'Neal went to the Lakers. 80s Malone had and Gary Payton went to the Lakers. You know what I mean? I was like, come on, you know, let's, don't forget our history. Yeah. How many guys did the Lakers in the 80s have? A bunch. I mean, hell, they had, shoot, Big Game James, Magic, and Kareem, and a young Byron Scott. That's 
a lot of guys, you know. Yeah, there's a lot of guys to worry about, you know. And even with the Bulls, Ron Harper, he's one of the best players to ever play the game. He's got five rings or maybe I think six, you know, because he was with um, the Lakers for their three. Yeah, he got six. The Lakers with the three-peat and then uh, Bulls with three-peat. Then they had Pippen, Jordan, Steve Kerr. So you're saying this open. is nothing new? No, it's nothing new. Look at, look at history, hell. The Boston Celtics in the 60s, they had everybody. Yeah. But they was, it was drafted into, like... I mean, either Larry way. Bird was drafted into... Yeah, I mean, draft. Well, hey, however you want to build it. Potato, potato. Yeah. You know, I took 95 to get to work. Okay, well, I took this street way. You know, it's, it's, it's just different, different ways to get there. So uh, when the jersey is raised, you're going to think about the highs. All highs. All highs. What All is highs. the high, highest peak of Chris Bosh in a Miami Heat uniform? Uh, second championship. The back-to-back year um, is pretty much the icing on the cake. Um, I wanted more. I wanted to compete more. But um, now that things are over and uh, me reflecting on the career, that was the high because it was so difficult, extremely difficult, the hardest thing I've ever done in my life outside of being a father. Yeah, to defend a title, but defend a title against one of the best teams of all time, you know, with the greatest. Yeah. Another case of a loaded team, <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, just playing, um, beating one of the best friends and nobody had ever, you know, beat them in the finals. And and that's what it took to get them. I mean, it went down pretty much to the last seconds. And, you know, I res- they have, you know, high respect uh, as an organization and, and players for them. And and I know they have the same for us, but just to, you know, compete with them and against them um, on the big stage and, you know, have my hand and making big plays. Um, throughout the process has been really, really important to me. Because, you know, that's all I remember trying to do as a kid. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make these big plays and then to actually make them and have an imprint on basketball is all I could ever ask for. Well, congrats again. That's, uh, that's I mean, a heck of an achievement to get next to Dan Marino. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, that's big time. <laughs> all right, that'll do it with Chris Bosh on the Haber Show podcast. Remember, please, please, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't listened to the previous episode we did with Coach Mike Budenholzer of the Milwaukee Bucks, the top-seeded team, they're doing unbelievable stuff there in the Eastern Conference. Kind of get a a feel for what he was thinking about when he got to Coach Giannis and how he built a defense around giving up threes? Yeah, it's kind of confusing. But um, you'll learn a lot more about the NBA if you listen to that episode. And I hope you got a a good feel for Chris Bosh and kind of feel where he's coming from and why he has so many fans now that he joined the Miami Heat, won those two championships, and just kind of how his whole public perception did a 180. So until next time, thank you for listening to The Haber Show.